best friends and introverts, welcome back to the You're So Quiet podcast, spooky edition, or welcome if you're joining for the very first time. As always, I am your host, Chelsea Brown. This week, we are easing into our spooky episodes with some conspiracy theories. I'm not like a big conspiracy theorist, but even these, like these even left me wondering. So we'll get into it. But first, as always, we are going to do our customary mental health check. You're going to rate your mental health from one to five, one being horrible, five being amazing. Feel free to pause me as you think about this because it is very important for you to really check in with yourself, like for real, for real, and not just for fake. (laughs) So while you're thinking about that, I'll tell you how I'm feeling. On a scale of one to five, today, I'm kind of at like a four. I have a couple things that are just on my mind today, Um, and something that's really kind of peeving me is that I feel like I can't eat anything anymore, and if you listened to last week's episode, you know that I took a food sensitivity test, and I regret this with every fiber in my being. Because I am extremely intolerant to gluten, which honestly, I eat a ton of bread and pasta and wheat and everything that is gluten containing and my stomach hurts all the time. So maybe that's why. Um, I'm also extremely intolerant to eggs and lightly intolerant to dairy. Honestly, all of this tracks except for the eggs. I eat eggs like a lot and I love a good egg cooked any type of way. I tried a 62 degree egg while on vacation and it was so very good. So you're telling me now that I can't have that? In addition to my caffeine ban because of my vestibular migraines, I don't want any more vertigo episodes than I have to have. And sugar also triggers my episodes. So I'm kind of starting to be a little irritated. And I think I'm irritated because this feels very like eating disordery for me. Um, trigger warning, quick discussion about eating disorder. I, when I had my eating disorder, I was very control-based. Like, you can eat this, you can't eat this, like, lots and lots of rules. And that's what this kind of feels like to me. And I'm really trying to reframe it because I feel like eating less gluten, less dairy, fewer eggs, Like, if that makes me feel better, then it will be worth it. But I have to kind of get over this mental hump of I'm really irritated because everywhere I want to eat is like the things that I can't eat or shouldn't eat. So that's, that's peeving me a little bit. Something else that's on my mind as well, just as a side note, I don't know. I was hesitant about sharing this, but I'm just going to share it anyway. I'm kind of feeling like a rebrand of the pod is in order. This is season three of the You're So Quiet podcast, and I love the podcast. I want to keep doing it, but I feel like I am a completely different person than I was three years ago, and I feel like the show should reflect that because, like, the show is an extension of myself, but I don't really know how to go about that. Like, do I want to do that? I don't know going to be a whole thing and it's just something that I'm kind of toying with but the more I think about it the more it feels like it is the right way to go but I'm just not sure because obviously we've spent 
so long with this particular brand, but I don't know. I have a tendency to do that because like I've been doing something for a long time, so I'm going to keep doing it even if it's not working for me anymore. Um, so yeah, that's kind of what's on my mind lately. That's kind of dragging me down to a four. Otherwise, I'm doing well. I hope you are doing well as well. Also, in addition to me, <laughs> But if you need some more time to think about your mental health, check in with yourself, maybe leave yourself a voice memo that you're never going to listen to that's just you saying your thoughts, do that. Pause me, go do that, come back. When you come back, I'll be talking about my recommendations for the week. All right, so let's get into our recommendations. I only have two and I want to this month keep in the theme of horror and I'm going to be recommending some horror films for you because I love a good horror movie. And as we're starting out on the spooky edition of the podcast, I want you to get in the spooky spirit, but not like jump into The Conjuring or something. That'll come later. Don't worry. What I'm going to recommend to you are two movies that are 40 to 50 years old and... I think they're still great movies, but I don't think that they're particularly scary for me. So the first one is going to be A Nightmare on Elm Street. This is, if you don't know what this is about, you are in for a treat. The concept is that there's this like monster that haunts people in their dreams and there's somehow a crossover between like the monster is able to come into the real world and these people are afraid to go to sleep because this monster is literally in their dreams hurting them kind of thing. So I, I'm i a big fan of Nightmare on Elm Street. There was this one scene with a phone. I think it's in the second one. You'll know what it is when you see it. They went too far. They went too far with that scene. Otherwise, I think they're all honestly like solid horror movies. However, they're not movies to, like, be taken super seriously. They're not, oh, I'm going to believe that this happened. Um, it's more so you just shut your brain off a little bit and observe what's happening. This is from the 80s. I want to say 84, but I might be mistaken. So just FYI, the acting, a little questionable. The effects, a little questionable. <laughs> But that comes with an 80s film. So that's my first recommendation. A Nightmare on Elm Street is iconic horror movie watching on the must-watch list of horror movies for me. There's also a newer one that I did watch. And in honesty, like, the newer one is scarier because, like, the effects are better, the acting is better. But there's just, like, this certain quality about the original that I think is really valuable to horror movie lovers okay so that's the first one the second one is going to be controversial because i said i want to ease you in with something that's not too scary and this movie is like historically one of the scariest movies of all time and i just don't see it okay the movie is the 1973 version of the exorcist I have watched this movie recently, like within within the last year. I think I watched it around this time last year, and I was not in any way frightened, okay? I don't know if this means that I watch too many horror movies and I'm just like jaded and this is actually terrifying, 
Or if it's just like one of those things like this was made in the 70s. So the acting, the effects, like all of it that I'm used to from today to make something scary, like that didn't exist 50 years ago. So for me, this is a great movie to like get in the spooky spirit, but not be afraid to go to sleep. I don't know if it's just me. Um, let me know in the comments of my Instagram post about this episode if I'm a crazy person. Maybe I am, maybe I'm not. Just leave me like a little ghost emoji if you think that I'm a crazy person. Um, and leave me like a pumpkin if you agree that The Exorcist is not scary. Because I just don't think it is. I really don't. And I was talking to my husband about it and he said that was one of the first scary movies he watched and it was terrifying to him. And he will not watch it again. Understandable. He doesn't like devilly paranormal occult stuff. Like that's not his scene at all. So I respect that. No issues, no worries. But to me, that feels like the fact that I was genuinely until last year or two years ago, afraid of the Chucky movies. If you have never seen a Chucky movie, you're missing out. <laughs> they are hilarious now looking back. But when I was a kid, I genuinely had nightmares. So the Chucky movies are about a doll that's haunted, essentially. It's like possessed with the spirit of this evil person. And the doll, which is like a one foot tall, red haired, creepy looking kid, goes and kills people, usually with a knife. And as a child, I was genuinely terrified. That is one of the first horror movies I watched. And I think I honestly, I was, where was I living? I was living in Oregon. So I was in, I was in the first grade. So however old you are in the first grade is when I watched the first Chucky movie. And I remember this nightmare I had. I'm going to, I'm going to tell you about it. I'm going to be that annoying person that tells you about their dreams, but it's important. Okay. I'll skip ahead in the dream to where there was this one Chucky doll, light, like tall, like six feet tall, chasing me around my house. I hid behind the bathroom door. I saw it in the mirror. I said, you don't see me. And it was like, okay. And walked away. Love dream logic. So I'm like, all right, great. It's gone. So I walk outside and I'm looking around. There's no one else around. I can't find my parents. I can't find my sibling. And yeah, I just had one brother at the time. And I'm like looking around and I look up the hill and I just see this horde of Chucky dolls crest the hill and they all come running down at me and I turn around and I'm doing that like dream run that's like you can't run fast and you're like tripping and it's it's horrible and I remember that nightmare from when I was six years old to now when I'm 30 so 24 years I remember that stupid dream and so two years ago or a year ago I don't remember which one even my husband wanted to watch this movie with me again. I'm like, I'll watch it with you, but if I'm scared, I'm not doing it. Like, I'm shutting it off. He's like, okay, fine. So we watch it, and it is... It is embarrassing that <laughs> I was afraid of it. And I feel like The Exorcist is like that, right? That's something that a lot of us watched when we were younger. And when we were younger and more easily scared, less jaded, it was terrifying. But now, as an adult... And as someone who is surrounded with much more, I don't know, palpable horror, horror that's being able to be brought to life with much better effects, di different cinematography, like, 
I have seen so many scarier horror movies with like the same exorcist um, themes and visuals, but they're scarier now than they were then. I'm telling you, like just give it a rewatch. I think it's on Hulu right now or maybe Netflix if you have either of those two streaming services. If not, it's probably like $2 or $3 to rent on Prime or on Apple TV or whatever service you use. But yeah, those are my recommendations. I know they're kind of, they might be kind of out there, especially The Exorcist. I know it's controversial, but just give it a shot and leave me a ghost if you think I'm crazy, a pumpkin if you think I'm not crazy for thinking that The Exorcist is not scary. So with that behind us, let's get into these conspiracy theories. I have a few for you and I had to do some research because I'm really not a big conspiracy theorist. But I was trying to think of something that is like easing us in, you know, not like The Exorcist <laughs> easing us in, but like the Chucky movies easing us in. So with all of that behind us, let's get into these conspiracy theories. I am not much of a conspiracy theorist, but there are a few that I was aware of and some that I wasn't. And I wanted to just explore them a little bit because they honestly, they give me the creeps. So the first one that I want to talk about is one that I've heard about a lot. I am a video game person. I love to play role play games. I like open world games. I will not play a massive multiplayer online because I feel like other people ruin it, but it's beside the point. The conspiracy theory is about the uncanny valley. The uncanny valley is this concept that imagine that there's a graph, right? And there is a straight line that measures a person's reaction to a character. Now, as the line goes down the horizontal axis, it's approaching a more human appearance. And the way that we perceive this creature remains level for the most part until it gets to a certain point where the character looks almost human, but not quite. And at that point, the straight line that we were traveling along before, there's a dip, right? It just drops down because the emotions toward this character become more negative at that time. And then as the character looks more perfectly human, the human emotion toward this character rises again and levels out. So that dip is actually called the uncanny valley. And there are several theories about why this thing exists, why this uncanny valley exists. Because in all actuality, we know that this character is a character, right? So why is it that when this character looks almost human, it makes us feel negatively toward it. It kind of makes us feel like there is something uncanny. There's something not quite right about this, this character that we know is just a character. There are some people that take this like very literally and believe that it's in reference to a human's mortality and how we think about our mortality, especially when it comes to like robots and things that look almost human. If it looks almost human, then people theorize that, oh, we don't like it because it's reminding us that we are going to be replaced, right? And if we are replaced, then maybe at that point they will be construed as doppelgangers. 
some people also say that we don't like when something looks almost human because it's like a violation of human norms. Like this creature, this character, this android or robot or whatever the case may be is not going to measure up to the standards of an actual human being. If it looks completely non-human, right? If it is very obviously a drawing, for example, like a stick figure, we might be more empathetic. But when the object or the android or the character looks almost human, its non-human features become much more noticeable, which then makes us think, okay, this creature or whatever is not going to measure up. It is not going to meet our expectations of what it is to be a human. All that's well and good, but it seems like a little too sciencey for me. Like that seems very psychology based, you know, and it feels like a stretch to be quite honest with you. Um, I don't look at a robot and I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm going to die someday. Like that literally has never happened to me. But if I see a character in a video game that looks almost human, but not quite, it creeps me out. And it's not like, ooh, my mortality. And it's not like, ooh, they're never going to measure up to my human expectations. Like, no, I know that's a character in a video game, but it creeps me the F out. Why is that? So this brings me to my favorite slash least favorite conspiracy theory about the Uncanny Valley. And that is that there was at one point something that mimicked humans this like super predator mimicked what a human looked like and over time we evolved to be fearful of things that look almost human but they're not human right so the way that evolution would work is that the people who were afraid of the almost human thing those people would survive okay so now we have all have this belief or this feeling when something looks almost human it's like ooh that like ancestral memory of is that the creature that I should be afraid of that creeps me the heck out right because I mean the universe is what like 40 billion years old it's old I don't know how old the earth is billions of years probably so is it impossible no it's not impossible but it's creepy. It's creepy. And honestly, like sad to say, of the three theories that I just gave you, that one is the most believable to me. Because that one is the one that actually answers the question of why does this creep me out? Why do I feel like this is wrong? Oof. Giving me the heebie-jeebies. Okay, let's move on. Let's talk about near-death experiences. I have never had a near-death experience. But... I know someone who had. It was my aunt. She passed away when I was very young and I was not allowed to go see her in her last moments. But my mom, who was there, did tell me about some of the things that my aunt was saying when she was about to die. And my aunt was saying things about a light. She was saying that the angels were here for her. She was talking to people that had passed away already as though they were there. Um, she was talking to someone who appeared as though, who seemed like they were there to collect her, and then she passed away. So what I have described 
is a very common universal experience for anyone who has experienced a near-death experience. That's weird, right? A shared hallucination, essentially, is what it sounds like. And to me, shared hallucinations, like, that kind of borders on, is this a glitch in the matrix kind of thing. So, obviously, there are theories about why this is. The first one is very scientific, right? Your brain is releasing all of these endorphins and, like, just flooding your whole brain and your body with all of these feel-good hormones, and it makes you high, essentially. And so you're hallucinating and you're seeing all these things that aren't there and maybe you've read about near-death experiences so you're seeing things that you would you would think that you would see sure that's possible but there are three we'll call them conspiracy theories about near-death experiences the first one is that the last moments of consciousness before death feel like an actual literal eternity so your mind can create entire realities from beginning to end so while my aunt was talking to people that had since passed on maybe in her mind she was actually living in that time not getting ready to go into the next life or to pass on from this one that theory also comes with a caveat of if it feels like an eternity and your brain is creating a reality, it is entirely possible that your reality might look like a hellscape and you will feel as though you are literally in hell forever, even if it's only moments before you actually pass away. The second theory is that we actually live our whole lives again. This kind of goes with the first theory, but slightly different because it's not like you're creating a reality. You are literally reliving your life over and over and over again in a loop. So when you reach the moment of your death, like the moment before you die, you start the loop all over again and again and again and again, and you're trapped in a loop with no difference, no awareness forever. This is a very very existential kind of theory to me because i mean anything is possible i'm very much a believer that anything is possible so right now as i'm saying this and as you're listening to this if that theory is correct is this the first time that i'm experiencing this or am i in like my 85th rendition of experiencing this over and over and over and there is no afterlife you just live the same life over and over and over again and I guess it depends what you think happens after you die you know which brings me to the final theory and what I believe to be the most obvious one to arrive to and that is that a near-death experience is evidence of an afterlife this is supported by near-death experiences following a very similar pattern everywhere and by people who have experienced it all across the world. Like, it's not just, oh, people in the U.S. see this and people in Britain see this and people in Africa see this. Like, people who have had near-death experiences from the time that it was first documented thousands of years ago have been virtually identical with the light and the voices and the people and angels and whatever. 
So that is seen to be evidence of an afterlife. But it doesn't really signify what the afterlife is. It kind of seems like there is a pathway to the afterlife. Like that is what you see before you die, but you've not quite died yet, right? If you had died, you would pass through the tunnel into the light, I would assume. But this seems to be some kind of, I don't know, could be evidence that there is something after this world. And I don't know what you believe. Maybe you're religious, maybe you're not. And I'm not. I'm kind of spiritual, I guess, but for the most part, not much of anything. But I really don't know what happens after we die. I don't think that my brain can fully comprehend what death would even mean. I, I just imagine it as like a blackness, like you, you just you're just not experiencing anything anymore, which is really hard for me to kind of wrap my mind around because I'm like constantly experiencing something. You know what I mean? Even when you're asleep, you're you're dreaming, right? You can dream and then you wake up and then you're experiencing stuff. So I don't know. I don't know. And I think what you believe a near-death experience to signify, like what theory you believe in, really depends on what your own personal beliefs are. But I will say that based on my limited research, like I have not dedicated my life to near-death experiences. <laughs> not like, oh, what was that movie? Flatliners? I think that was a pretty good movie. There was an original and a newer one. And I think the original was better. But anyway, I haven't dedicated my life to studying near-death experiences. But I, based on what I researched, it seems like the experiences are pretty universal. It's not like, oh, this person's a Christian, so she believed this, or this person is Muslim, so they believe this. Like, it, it doesn't seem to be separated by religion or race or creed or location. So that's just something for you to ruminate on. Is there an afterlife? I don't know. If there isn't, how do we explain the universal nature of near-death experiences? And the last thing we're going to talk about, the last conspiracy theory I have for you, is one that, of course, we could not not talk about talking about conspiracy theories. And we're going to talk about aliens, but we're going to talk about something very specific, and it's called the Fremi Paradox. This is something I learned about just a few days ago. Actually, I don't even know how I came across it, but I really went into this black hole of learning about this thing. So the Fremi paradox is this discrepancy between the lack of evidence of advanced extraterrestrial life and the apparent high likelihood that it exists. So in very brief terms, it's the idea that Aliens probably exist, but we haven't found any evidence of advanced life forms. We found water, right? We found frozen water on Mars. We have found bacteria, but have we found like an actual civilization? No. The first theory is that, yes, intelligent life has probably existed in the universe well before us. You know, the universe is 
billions, billions of years old. And just like for the record, we're in year 2023. There have been 2,023 years since the death of Christ. And then there were like BC years, but none of the BC years that I'm aware of go to the billions, okay? The universe has been around for billions of years. And you're telling me that in that time, not one single solitary intelligent civilization rose and fell, right? The human race is relatively young, okay? I want to say, I don't know, I actually don't want to say. I'm not sure. But even looking at the, the age of the earth itself, is the earth itself billions of years? Okay, hold on. Let's ask Siri. How old is the earth itself? Okay. Siri says the earth is 4.5 billion years old. 4.5 billion. And my research says the universe is at least three times more billions years old. So there was a whole two-thirds of time before earth was even formed, let alone had humans on it, right? For other civilizations to exist. So in the time that it has taken for the earth to form, for humans to evolve, for us to end up here today where we have enough technology that you're listening to my voice from this tiny little computer and your phone and these tiny little earbuds in your ears, in all of that time, there was so much more time before that. So the theory is that yes, there was a whole other alien civilization well before us and it rose and it fell and it could have been many civilizations. Let's ask Siri again. Hold on. How long has the human race been around? Okay. <laughs> okay. So... This is from worldatlas.com. Homo sapiens, who are the modern form of humans, evolved 300,000 years ago, not even a million, just FYI, from Homo erectus. Human civilizations started forming around 6,000 years ago. 6,000 years versus 14 billion years of the world, of the universe? Yeah, I, I can promise you, I can promise you that civilizations have risen and fallen. And matter of fact, I was listening to the Thai French podcast about this today, talking about the Roman Empire, which is something that men think about often, which is weird. Anyway, the Roman Empire, before any of us were even dreamed about, rose, controlled the entire freaking world, and fell. Okay, we still have remnants of the Roman Empire today, including like Roman numerals, which are always around. Heating. Romans invented that. So my point is, we have had civilizations on Earth rise and fall before we would ever consider looking for them, before we ever had the technology to look for them. So now that we have the technology to look for them, which in all honesty has only been the last, what, 50 years or so, so... You're telling me that, oh, we haven't found them in 50 years, so they don't exist? Bye. Goodbye. The second theory, before I get, get going too much on my firm belief that there are other civilizations out there, present or past. The next conspiracy theory as related to the Fremi paradox, which again is the discrepancy between 
aliens are are real, but we can't find them. The theory is that other advanced life forms do not send signals out into the rest of the universe. Okay, the the problem with civilizations is that let's just say we get a transmission from some other galaxy or whatever and we find out that there is a whole other civilization and they're so much more advanced than us they have weapons that we could not begin to imagine so as humans what do you think we're going to try to do do you think that we're going to try to make peace no when have humans ever done that ever ever in life ever if we see on earth if we see other countries firing up their nuclear warheads we immediately start firing up ours too even though it might just be a test it might just be i don't know maintenance i don't know anything about nuclear warfare but it's not always a bad thing and bt dubs the alien life forms that sent us the transmission have not killed us yet but anyway i digress if we find this civilization and they have much more advanced technology than us, we will be threatened and we will attempt to destroy them. Okay? Logically, if in this theoretical example, there is an alien civilization that is so much more advanced than us, logically, they are likely not the most advanced and therefore likely not the most dangerous. So why would they be broadcasting their location to other life forms that would have the same problem, right? It would just be war. It would be chaos. It would potentially mean the end of civilizations and potentially the end of our civilization, you know? Maybe the alien civilization that knows about us is not as technologically advanced as us and is like, oh crap, if they find out that we exist, they're going to kill us. They are going to come to our planet. They are going to take over our planet and destroy it the same way that they're destroying theirs, which is a whole other conversation, but you get where I'm going with this. The point is, even though there is a very high likelihood that aliens and alien civilizations exist and our government admitted that aliens existed and literally no said anything about it, but that was weird. Even though the likelihood is that there are aliens out there, we haven't found them. And we've been sending out transmissions willy-nilly, just sending them out. Do you think that aliens exist? Do you think that the reason we haven't found any is because they rose and fell before our time in this universe even came about? Or do you think that they know we're here and just don't want anything to do with us? I personally think that both are true. I don't think that they're mutually exclusive. I think that it's possible that civilizations rose and fell before we were even a blip on the universal timeline. But I also think that it's possible that there are civilizations that have been out there for longer than we've been here and are more advanced than us and don't want anything to do with us because honestly if i was an alien watching from outer space watching this planet and the way that we're moving around i would not want to mess with us either because we are very illogical creatures sometimes and honestly my civilization has lasted this long 
I'm good on the trying to parlay with the humans. Okay, we're, we're doing fine on our own. They're going to do their thing. We're, we'll do our thing. They're never going to find us. So yeah, that is what I wanted to talk about this week. I, you know what, maybe I am a conspiracy theorist and I just don't know it. But I'm not a conspiracy theorist about like the moon landing. I don't think the moon landing was faked. I don't think the earth is flat. Like I, I it's kind of weird that a lot of the ones that I know about are like space related. But I feel like that's because it's the most difficult to prove. Because again, how many people have been to space? Like not very many. And the pictures like, oh, they could have been doctored. I don't know. Like get, I, I don't think so. I don't think, you believe what you want to believe. You know, that's like the, the beauty and the fun of a good conspiracy theory. You believe what you want to believe. You have your own opinion. You have your own reasoning. And I think that's the fun of it. So, yeah. What I would like to know is I would like to know what your conspiracy theories are. If you're listening on Spotify, I'll put a little question box on the Spotify page and you can answer right there. Your answers are completely anonymous to to my understanding, but don't leave anything weird or gross because I will delete it and I won't allow it to be posted on the page. So don't do that, but I know that my besties would never do that. Just, you know, as a blanket statement. But yeah, just let me know what your favorite ones are because maybe I'm like a budding conspiracy theorist. I love a good, love a good internet hunt. I love a good internet black hole to fall into every once in a while. And yeah, so I would love to hear from you guys. I would love it also if you would rate, review, subscribe, tell your friends, share it to your story that you're listening to the show. I would love and appreciate any of that. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you got all the creepy, spooky vibes and you are enjoying the best month of the year, which is October. I love you so much. I will talk to you next week. Okay, love you. Bye.